Wow, we have been on a marathon this morning already. Be glad you attended this service. Uh, the sanctuary seats 480 people. We had 520 plus crammed into that room. Somehow, some way, all right? Um, so we are grateful that you chose to be with us in this service. Some of you may have tried to get into that service and you went out for breakfast and you came back to this service. So thank you for um, being a little bit flexible. So I want to give a little bit of... Uh, kind of get you all engaged this morning with me to make sure we're on the same page. So if you could complete the following phrases with me. It's the most great, terrible. All right. Have yourself a... All right. Tucked away in our minds are these moments. We could sing jingle bells. We've got thoughts of joy. We've got Merry Christmas. And for me, I also have a picturesque image in my mind of what Christmas is like. Uh, there's an image that was created by an artist, by Norman Rockwell. It's, it's 40 years old. Uh, it was in a Saturday evening post, and a couple of his images, one is of this little snowy, dreary town, but the other one is of a family. And, and this family has arrived at Christmas. Now let me just unpack this picture for you. Mom and dad are happy to be arriving. They look completely dressed, and they're smiling as they walk into grandma's house, right? Kids are all smiling. Presents are all wrapped. The smallest child is announcing that we have now come, and they have arrived, and there is, it's not in the picture, but in my mind, there's a smell. There's a Christmas tree, and there is the smell of whatever's being cooked for lunch, and what's going to happen next is this family, they're all going to gather around the tree with their, their aunts and uncles and their grandparents, and they're going to start unwrapping presents, and everything's going to fit. No. Everything's going to fit, and everything's going to go perfect. The day is just this picturesque Christmas wonderful scene, and right about the time they sit down at the table, they're going to look out the window, out across the yard, and guess what's going to start coming down? Yeah. yeah. And Bing Crosby's going to start singing. Right? Oh, it's such a beautiful Christmas. Such an awesome Christmas. But see, here's the reality of that picture. The reality of that picture is... The kids aren't all coming in together. There's a mom and a dad, and the mom is bringing one of the kids inside. One kid is getting his clothes changed because they spilled something on the way to the parents. They're carrying in the packages. They don't even know if they have the right family members' packages with them. They're going to come into the house. They're going to walk in. There's going to be sheer chaos. There's going to be kids everywhere. They're not going to all, in order, sit around by the toasty fire and open their presents. Everybody's going to go for it. There's going to be wrapping paper everywhere. Then it's going to be time to eat, and the ham's going to be burnt, and Papa John's doesn't deliver till 6 on Christmas, so they're all going to be miserable. Half the family is upset at the other half of the family because half the family wants to sit down and watch the football games that come on on Christmas. And nothing fits. Everything has to be shipped back by Amazon Prime. Everything's got to go back. And snow... You don't want snow. you got to drive in it, right? It's going to make your day crazy. Imagine driving up and down 85 today with snow. You don't want snow, right? So let me just ruin that picturesque moment for you. But we all have in our mind a picture 
of what Christmas looks like. For some in the room, it is a moment of wonder. For some, it's something that you've stored away and tucked in your mind. For some, it's not even real. For some, it's just a moment that you think in years gone by. But for some, Christmas is, it's going to keep snowing for a few minutes. It's okay. <laughs> for some, Christmas is difficult. Christmas morning's not going to be filled with all the folks. It may not be filled with any. Christmas is going to be hard for some of you because you can't travel, because you can't make the long trip back to your family because you've moved here and you, you just can't make the trip back. Christmas is full of wonder, but it's also full of all types of other emotions. But what we've wanted to do over the last month is to recount over and over and over the story of the arrival of the Messiah, who is Christ the Lord, and for that to be the one thing that creates wonder in your mind. Not any present, not any guest, that that thing would leave you in awe and wonder, the birth of Jesus Christ. Because there's a lot of awe and wonder in the story. In Scripture, there's a lot of awe and wonder moments of them saying, how is this happening? Is this really taking place? For instance, Mary is told, as you've heard already this morning in Luke 1, and the angel said to her, and the angel said to her, and the angel said to her, is that not enough for awe and wonder there? Just in the announcement, and the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, it goes on to say, among the Son of the Most High, and the Lord will give him to the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom, there will be no end. So here's this young betrothed teenager who's just been given the news from an angel that she is going to give birth to the Savior of the world. Let that bring some awe and wonder and shock into your mind. But let's not just talk about her, let's talk about Joseph disbelieving, wondering, betrothed to be married to Mary. And she comes and shares this dream with him, but God gives him one of his own, and she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Is there not enough awe and wonder already in the story that the angel comes to two people? Can you imagine their conversations? On their way to Bethlehem, can you imagine well, what did he look like? What did he say? How did he say it? Was it like this? Did it take place like this? And they're comparing and they're talking and there's got to be a sense of, wow, what just happened here? Where's the wonder of this? The wonder a carpenter was about to become the acting father to the Savior of the world. And it was going to come through the most unexpected family tree. When the angel announces his birth, he says to Joseph, for he will save his people from their sins. I got four children. They're awesome. Uh, I have four siblings or, or three siblings, four of us counting myself. Most of the time, they're awesome. Uh, we have given my parents 13 grandchildren, two great grandchildren. It's a pretty big family, but never in all of the arrivals of any of the great grandchildren and the grandchildren did any of us as siblings call the other ones and say, hey man, uh, child is going to deliver us from our sins no this has only happened once and it's been given to fulfill the prophecies of hundreds of years gone by and here it comes all stored up full of all and wonder being delivered to mary and joseph all and wonder and while they were there the time came for her to give birth and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him 
in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the end. If this sequence in history and Scripture doesn't leave you somewhat wondering, then your brain doesn't connect all the dots. Because a child is going to be born into a stable, into a feeding area for animals. And not any child, the Savior of the world who would save the people from their sins was going to be born in this environment. I don't know the last time you've been in a labor and delivery room. Uh, in, in 2017, going into 2018, a labor and delivery room is really a transformer-type room. Some of you nurses know what I'm talking about. That room can go from a delivery room to a surgical room in a matter of push of a button, it seems like. Just press a button and things start falling and moving and changing. The room opens up, the doctor appears, right? Sterile, clean environment. This is not this place. Let that grab you one more time if it hasn't already Joseph is probably beginning to wonder to himself, is this how this is all going to fit together? Here we are in a back alley at a stable delivering the Son of God who will save His people from their sins? And if that's not enough, God makes His proclamation to the next group of people and they are the shepherds, they are the lowly, they are by some the outcasts of society and they've been given the news, today a child has been born in the city of David, who's Christ the Lord. Talk about awe and wonder. When's the last time you've been out on the field watching your flocks by night and an angel appears and then a group of heavenly hosts with them begin to sing glory to God and pronounce in the highest and peace on earth and whose favor rests. Tonight, it's going to be a clear night. Just go out in a field or street, somewhere somewhere that you can go that's safe. Just take a glance up. And just imagine so far we've got an angel, 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 multitude of angels, and they're speaking to people, and God is beginning to put in motion His plan that a Savior would be born. But the shepherds, lowly, they're not cleaned up. They heard the news, and what they do? Scripture says they went directly. They're not Baptists because they'd had to have a meeting, right? So they went directly, verse 17 says in Luke chapter 2, when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it, what did they do? And all who heard it, what? Wondered. They were amazed at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned. Listen to this. So they go and they see Jesus exactly as prophesied. They come back, and what does it say? They they return glorifying, praising God for all they had seen and all they had heard directly as it had been told them. Wondered. Amazed. The wonder-filled moment of encountering Jesus. You see what it does? The wonder-filled moment of of encountering Jesus They go, they hear the announcement, they come and they see this child. Then they're filled with wonder and they can't stop talking about meeting Jesus. They find themselves in awe and wonder. So they're leaving town. They're walking out of town. They're going, guys, you've got to, right around the corner, it happened. I'm telling you, we've seen it. This wonder-filled moment of encountering Jesus directly impacted their actions. It directly impacted their decisions. It directly impacted their worship. 
They were worshiping. They were praising God. They could no longer keep it inside. Mary, wonder. Joseph, wonder. The town of Bethlehem, awe and wonder that anything happened there. Prophecies given 700 years, all coming to fruition. See all these moments of wonder. The next group we read about that you've heard this morning is the wise men. Now, we don't know exactly how many there were. It's debated, all right? We three kings, we don't know if it was three. They brought three gifts, but it doesn't say three. You don't have to debate that, okay? It's really a really minor issue for us, all right? We just know they were there. But verse 10 is amazing to me. When they saw the star... Recorded in Matthew chapter 2, verse 10. When they saw the star, read this with me. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now let's try that again, the they onward, all right? And let's do it with exceedingly great joy. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Now when I read that this week, I found that a little redundant, don't you? exceedingly with great joy. They're rejoicing with, with exceedingly and abundantly with great joy. I mean, just say with great joy. But no, Scripture, the writer, wants us to understand the enormous amount of wonder, the enormous amount of excitement. It wasn't enough just to say, and they saw the star, they were excited. It says they rejoiced exceedingly and they with great joy and so, what does the scripture tell us next? And they go into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshiped him. I don't know your Christmas traditions. I know some of you have children in the room that are going to be a little excited tonight, tomorrow, presents, however you do it. It's the way you do it, right? It's probably different than the way I do it. That's okay. Are there any excited children in the room? One, two, three. That was like a 50-year-old man. Come on, dude. All right? You've never set up for Christmas on Christmas Eve before. They rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Watch the wonder of a child today. Watch just their excitement of today. But then understand and magnify that, that they, the magi, the wise men, men of great wealth, prominence, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. And what did they do the moment they encountered a baby in a manger? They fell on their faces and they worshiped. Now we portray them in Christmas musicals and churches, somber, right? Almost mad. Don't break a smile. Do you see a problem with this? That's not exceedingly rejoicing with great joy. They're getting closer. Man, you sure? It's right around the corner. I'm telling you, there's a star. Let's go. Oh, man, I can't wait. Get your presents out. Let's go. Let's get there. We're finally here. We've been traveling for a long period of time. Herod thinks we're going to go back and tell him, but we're not going to go back and tell him. We're so excited. This is awesome. There he is. Boom. With great excitement, they were excited. The wonder-filled moment where they encountered Jesus led them to do one thing. Fall on their face and worship Jesus. And 2,000 years later, nothing's changed. 2,000 years later, 
Nothing has changed because now we have seen through Scripture the completion of, we have seen the arrival, we've seen the life, we've seen the death, we've seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and we see and know, many of us in this room, know the stories that Scripture gives us. But do we have the same reaction this Christmas? Do I? When I encounter Jesus, when you encounter Jesus, does it leave you in awe and wonder, exceedingly rejoicing with great joy? Does it leave us in a spirit of worship? Because whatever brings you wonder, whatever leaves you in awe, whatever it is has captured your heart will most likely dictate your decisions. Listen to that again. Whatever you worship, whatever captures the wonder of your heart is most likely the thing that will dictate your decisions in life. It'll drive you. It'll lead you. But my desire this Christmas is to refresh, to remind, to highlight the story of the birth of Christ so that it leaves you in awe and wonder and so that Every morning this story is new and fresh and beautiful and life-changing and worship-filled. I've lived in my neighborhood for almost 17 years and there's some great spots in my neighborhood to catch the sunset. And uh, I like sunsets. I don't like them as much as my wife likes sunsets. And she doesn't like sunsets as much as my sister-in-law, Becky, likes sunsets. Now, Becky, I didn't ask you for permission to share this, but here we go. She's here. Some days I'm driving to church for a meeting and, or going somewhere on a weeknight or a Sunday night, and I drive past my in-law's house. My mother-in-law, my father-in-law, my sister-in-law live right around the corner from us, and I'll drive by, and I'll see Becky in the front yard staring off into the distance. She's waiting for the sunset. And I'm going, it's a sunset. That's me. I'll see her the next night. And she's got her camera out. She's ready. And she'll be ready, and she'll snap pictures, and she'll send it to us. She'll say, look at the sunset. And this week, as I was preparing for this, there was a great conviction for me to understand that in that moment of every night, every night she sees wonder in every sunset, and she's never disappointed. She never goes, oh, that was a bad one. That one wasn't as good as the night before. It was beautiful because she comes expecting wonder to fill up the sky because she hasn't grown too familiar with a daily routine. You see, with familiarity becomes the tendency for us to forget beauty. The more we're familiar with the story, the less we remember, the less we place it as something important into our lives. I've never seen sunsets the way that Becky sees them. Because most of the time, I'm too busy going somewhere else to pause and wonder. And each night, what is familiar to me becomes beautiful to her. For me, what once brought me wonder has been muted by familiarity. 
The sunsets are still as beautiful as, as the day I moved in there 17 years old, 17 years ago. My sense of wonder, it's been squelched by the everyday. I've got to go to a meeting. I've got to go to this place. I've got to go take care of this. I've got to go run and get this. There's a sunset. Awesome. Great. Big deal. No, there's a sunset being painted for you by the creator of the universe. There is a Messiah that has been born to you today, and his name is Jesus. He is Christ the Lord, and he will save you from your sins. That's the sunset. That's the picture that's been painted for you this morning throughout all of these scriptures. For you to be reminded for the scriptures to paint for you in front of you the arrival of a Messiah through a teenage mother, through a betrothed husband, in a town that expected nothing, in a place you would never imagine, with shepherds the poor and lowly coming first, the magi, the high and mighty coming next, to see and to worship and to fall on their faces in a sense of wonder. What brings you wonder? What brings you wonder in your life? What makes you excitedly excited? Because what that is, and whatever that is, whatever person that is, if we are not careful, it will begin to dictate our decisions and it will become the thing we worship. What inspires us enough to tell others about what we've seen and heard? You see, the manger's not the end. The manger is not the end of Christmas. It is the beginning of the gift of God. The Word made flesh and dwelled among us. The story of the birth of Christ is not complete until the, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When you put together all the details of the birth, the life, the death, we are left with evidence that should, we should have the same reaction of the Magi, of the wise men. Exceedingly rejoicing with great joy. Worship. First Noel, the angels did say, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the newborn King. The story of Jesus should leave us excitedly excited for the hope that we have in Jesus. But I need to remind you of a couple other things to repurpose, to recalibrate your mind on the wonder of Christmas. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The payment for our sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 8 says, But God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Wonder. All worship. Today you may have gathered here because it's tradition. It's what you do. It's Christmas. You come to Rich Fork or another church Christmas. Maybe you're here with family. Whatever the case is, that's awesome. You may worship with us every single Sunday. But does this story leave you in awe and wonder that while you were still a sinner, Christ died for you? This is the story of Christmas. Jesus Christ, born of Mary, born to save his people from their sins, whose birth and arrival left the shepherds and the wise men to worship, adoring with excitement, has offered himself as a payment for your sins. It's a gift of God. 
Your greatest present will, this Christmas will not come in a tree, under a tree. It will not come from a relative. It will not come from your pastor. It will not come from a neighbor. It will not come from Amazon Prime. It has already come, and it is a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And in just a few moments, we're going to celebrate in something we take part in called the Lord's Supper. But I want to make sure before we take part in that, that you understand that that each of us have the opportunity to come to a holy God through a Savior who is Christ the Lord and surrender and trust our lives unto His. If we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, He will save us. This year, the greatest gift has already been given to you. It is Christ the Lord. At any point in this service, during the Lord's Supper, as we're gathered together, leaving in the lobby, at any opportunity, this afternoon when you're alone in your home or when you're on your way to your next list of festivities or you are waking up tomorrow morning, I would ask you to acknowledge that Christ is the Lord. And if you've never trusted Him and never acknowledged your sin and need for a Savior, you would cry out to Him, confess, admit your sinfulness and your need for a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. 2,000 years ago, a few nights before Jesus the Messiah grew and became a teacher, preacher, miracle worker, He was about to go and be betrayed and be taken to the cross for his crucifixion. And on the night that that was to take place, he had his disciples prepare a traditional meal that they'd practiced for 2,000 years as the Jewish heritage. But on this night, he was going to give it new symbolism, new meaning. Because that has been celebrated before. It was a picture of salvation, but now they're going to provide the picture of the salvation with Christ the Lord. And at one point in the meal, he takes a piece of bread, and he tears it to represent his torn and broken body. And at one point, he passes that for each of them to take part in. And then another time, he takes a cup, and he passes it around for them to take part in, and that cup represents the blood of Christ. In just a few moments, we're going to take part in that beautiful, awe-inspiring moment that Jesus established with his disciples. And you know what? They didn't get it. They couldn't have understood at that moment. They didn't understand, but in just a few days, they would understand that the image in their mind would be of that torn bread being seen in a torn body of a Savior. And in that, seeing the blood of a Savior being poured out, they would see this cup, and they would symbolically remember this picture. And for thousands of years, believers gather together, and they take part in this supper, and they celebrate, and they remember a Savior will be born to you who will save a people from their sins. If you've trusted in Christ as your Savior, in just a few moments we'll take part in this meal. If you are here visiting and you've trusted in Christ, you're part of another church, you can definitely participate in that. But two things, if you've never trusted in Christ, I would ask that you would let that meal pass, not because we're better than you, only because we've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ. But also, this morning, if you find yourself heavy and in need of confession, you need to pray to the Lord that you would do those things. 
And parents, this is an awesome opportunity. We're a kid-friendly church. I know this is a time that's uh, a little somber, a little quiet, but we're kid-friendly. If this is an opportunity for you to explain to your child what the bread and the cup and why you're partaking of that is, please take that opportunity to do that this morning. As we celebrate with awe and wonder, a Savior has been born to us. He's Christ the Lord.